You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Here's the message. Today, uh, as we get into God's Word, we're going to begin with this verse, Genesis 18. I, I, I'm going to share the rest of this chapter, the rest of the story another time, but uh, we're going to begin in Genesis 18, verse 14. Uh, we're do- starting a new series called The Impossible, called The Impossible. Uh, and we're talking about faith. We're talking about the God who does miracles, the God who does wonders and uh, for whom there's nothing impossible. Uh, we're believing for God to do some things that in the natural look impossible, but I, I'm just going to tell you, we have a God uh, who, who uh, he, nothing is impossible for him. God's power is limitless. His wisdom is endless. And God is faithful to not only do what he said he'll do, but be right there with us in the midst of even difficult seasons. Uh, we want to be as a church continue to pray for those in Texas that are affected by the, na- the tragedy this week with the kids and teachers that lost their lives. And we want to know that God can heal the, the most broken heart. We want to, we want to be a church that prays uh, in every season, in difficult seasons and in good seasons. We want to be a church that prays. And we need to know that we serve a God uh, that he specializes in the impossible. He specializes in things that seem immovable, that seem unchangeable. He's a God who heals, restores, redeems, who brings the lost sons and daughters home. We talked about generations last week as we concluded our other series. But today I want to focus in, before we dive into uh, really the, 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 the way in which we experience fully these things as God brings about the impossible in our lives, and we're believing for that uh, for you and your family as well, uh, we want to start with something that I believe is an enemy, an unseen enemy of uh, faith. And we often look at kind of one of the big ones being fear. Uh, but I think sometimes there's forms of fear that are tolerated and even accepted by us. And it's, uh, we're, we're, we're going to zero in on one of those today because uh, it's something most people deal with on some level. And we've got to know how to overcome it because we want to position our hearts in faith to believe God for, for greater things. And uh, on today, I'm talking about worry. We're going to deal with the effects and how to overcome worry in our lives. Uh, but I want to start with this, Genesis 18, 14. This is the theme verse for our series uh, as we look at this, and it's very simple, is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for God? This is actually a statement made by God himself. Is anything too hard for God? And uh, I looked at this, you know, in all the years of studying the Bible, there's, you look at different translations, English translations of different verses, and uh, most of them say very, uh, not very different things, but say, you know, a focus on different aspects of a statement. But almost every translation with one word exception, most of them say, is anything too hard for the Lord? But every one that I looked at said basically the same thing because it's too hard. Uh, it's not too hard to see the simple truth that's right here. Is anything too hard for God? I want you to think about that right now with whatever you're praying about, whatever you're worried about, whatever you're facing in life. Is anything too hard for God? And if you don't know the answer, it's no. I'm going to help you today. 
uh, I came across some research that said that uh, worry leads to a number of negative things in our life as we would imagine. It leads to higher coronary heart disease. It leads to lower immune responses. It uh, releases a stress hormone into your uh, life, into your body. Uh, it also, of course, you know, we often associate worry with staying up at night and it, of course, causes sleep problems. I thought this was interesting. Princeton did a study that said that it actually worry uh, in the moment that we're worrying, it drops our IQ by 13 points. And so worry has the same effect as not sleeping all night on, on just your clarity and your ability to process, your ability to function. And, uh, and, and also, not only that, but the long-term effects of it is that it can even shorten, uh, through all these things, shorten our lifespan. And so worry I want to focus on today first is this. Number one, worry is the unseen enemy of faith. Worry is the unseen enemy of faith. I say unseen because it's often the area of maybe fear that we often most tolerate because, well, I've got to think about this. I've got to, I've got to plan and I've got to prepare and I'm not against any of those. I'll focus on, I'll talk about that in a second. But, but we oftentimes move into a place of worry instead of faith. Worry is actually our response to problems. It's not the problem itself. It's our response to what we're facing. And sometimes it's a real problem as all of us have real issues we face and our response can be faith or fear, faith or worry, faith or anxiety. Uh, but it also can be that we, uh, in responding, sometimes, honestly, probably 80, 90% of the things I've worried about have been things that were imagined that didn't even happen, that uh, were maybe affecting other people but not affecting me. And so it's, but, but worry has the same effect on your life, whether it's something you're walking through in reality or something that you've even stayed up thinking about. Uh, one of the, the, the Bible words for worry can be translated literally as or means to strangle. Uh, and, and Jesus mentioned or pointed to this when he talked about how the sower, in the parable of the sower, the sower sows God's word. And he sows it into four different conditions of a heart, four different soils. And, and the third of those, we won't go into all of them for time, but the third of those is one that begins to grow. God's word begins to produce. It begins to bring forth uh, a lot of things and, and progress in, its, in, the, in the soil and the heart that it's been planted in. But because of, and, and I'll read this to you, Mark 4, 19, the cares of this world, that word cares is to worry. The cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches and desires for other things enter in and choke the word. Worry strangles, worry chokes, it chokes out. In fact, here's the result. What started as God's word planted becomes unfruitful. It becomes unfruitful where it has been planted because of these very things. And the first one he mentions is cares. I know a lot of people worry because of things that are happening uh, all around the world in our own lives and families. And uh, it's, it's not to say that there aren't real problems and real challenges, but, but we want to recognize what our response is because the only way we're going to be able to make a difference and, and have an effect and walk in peace and walk in joy is by responding differently, by refusing to worry and instead choosing faith. The word cares here literally means to divide the mind. So not just does it strangle and choke out, but it divides your attention. It divides your focus. That's what worry does. It takes up the time, energy, and effort and, and focus of your heart and mind that should be directed towards things that can be fruitful in your life and instead chokes it out. So we want to be good at recognizing areas and vulnerabilities where worry comes. I, I mentioned this last week when we were talking about the offering, but here's, here's what it is. Matthew 6, uh, 25. Matthew 6, 25. Jesus, uh, he said, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Well, there it is. <laughs> he keeps it very simple. 
Don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or about your body, what you're going to put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than uh, clothing? I quote this verse to Jenna every time she goes to Target to shop. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father uh, feeds them. Are you not of more value than these? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit, a measure of, of span? Can you, can you add to your life? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you, even Solomon in all of his glory, the wealthiest, richest king in all of, of biblical history, here's what it says, in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek after, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. God's going to provide all those things. Verse 34, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Uh, Corey Ten Boom said this, worrying is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength. It's carrying two days at once. It's moving into tomorrow ahead of time. Worrying doesn't empty, I thought this was so good. Worrying doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. I would add to that, it empties today of its joy, of its peace, of, uh, of its confidence and hope. And that's what it does whenever we move into that place, whether it's a subtle thing that we worry about or something that's a big life issue, uh, whatever it is, it has the same effect in us. And Jesus here gives us, I think, the two foundations that we have to have in overcoming worry. We have to have this as our basis. And uh, I, I started this kind of down this train as God began to put this on my heart for us this weekend with a word that God has actually spoken to me many times. And it's very simple. Why do you worry? And that's actually point two. Point two, why do you worry? See, the basis for not worrying, it's not enough that Jesus just says, don't worry. Uh, that, that's the starting point. But the real basis for why we don't have to worry is what Jesus tells us in this passage. He starts with the character of our Father in heaven. He starts with the character of our God. See, your faith is not based on your ability. Your faith is not based on the world's consistency. Your faith is not based on everybody agreeing with you and everything going well in your life all the time. In fact, the basis of our confidence is not even how God's gonna do something in our life. The basis is who he is. The basis is the promise and the character of God. It's who he is. And secondly, it's who, what our value is to God, who we are to God. It's who our God is and who we are to him. Jesus says that, you know, listen, he says the, the birds of the, of the air aren't stressing out. <laughs> they're not worried about what we're worried about. Uh, they're, they're, they're provided for, and he says, how much more value do you have than they Sorry, Peter. But they have more value. In other words, he looks at you and I, his sons and daughters, created in his image, and God says the basis for, for, for not worrying in our life is God is faithful, God is good, and as, as a result of that, we know that he is gonna provide. Because we, you matter more to God in fact, you, you matter so much to God of all the things that God has made and he values his creation. But the most prized part of his creation is what he went, Jesus went to the cross for. 
and it's you. Jesus died on the cross, took our sin, took our shame to bridge the gap so that we could have and know, uh, we could know this God. We could have a relationship with God and have a home in heaven, be saved from our sins. So why do we worry? Well, I think it's because we forget those two things. We forget one, who our God is, and two, we forget our value in his eyes. We feel like God's forgotten us. God's a million miles away. God, God somehow, you know, why did this bad thing happen? Why did that happen? And we lose sight of the character of God that is unchanging. And, and I, listen, I need to know that God's gonna be with me. I need to remind myself of that, especially when I'm in a difficult season or when I have a tendency or a, 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 I'm starting to lean into worry because of maybe something I'm walking through or what I'm gonna do about something. And I, I wrote down a few questions. You know, this is something that I think a lot of people ask themselves, is this even gonna work? We've got some people in here that are trying new things in their business and new, maybe new ventures. We've even had businesses start this year uh, in our church family. And there's people who are wondering, is, is this going to work? Is, is, is this looking at the climate and the economy and all the things that are happening around them, they wonder, is this going to work? Do you know, God's, there, there's something about faith that you have to recognize and, and I'll say even discern what you can control and what you can't. And what I can't control is the harvest. What I can't control is people's response. But what I can't control is what I plant with God today. It's what I do with God today. It's, it's how I'm faithful to what he's told me today. And maybe you to right now, you don't know, how is this going to work? How, how am I going to raise my kids with the way the world is? How can, I, how, can I, how can I build a healthy marriage? How can I do this? And, I can, and we wonder, will it work? But the basis has to start with what about today? She said, don't worry about tomorrow. I'm a planner. That's like my, I, I'm wired that way. I like, to, I like to be, you know, especially when it comes to vision. I like to, I like to see, I'm sometimes like 10 years down the road. Jenna's, Jenna helps me with that. She's like, let's, let's talk about what we need to like fix right now in the house. You know, I'm going to plan 100 churches tomorrow. And she's like, let's, let's fix this. Uh, and so we balance each other in a great way. And I love that because sometimes it's easy to get caught up in tomorrow and miss today. And Jesus said we need to focus on today and what we're to do. He said, seek first the kingdom. So what do we do with what we're working on, what we're concerned with, what we're preoccupied with? Proverbs 16:3. commit your works to the Lord. And that may be about your business and your job, but can I also tell you, it's also about your family, your kids, your marriage, your future. Your plans, commit them to God. And he says, in your thoughts, this is New King James, your thoughts will be established. When I start with God, whatever I'm walking through, when I start with God, it positions me for peace where I wouldn't have had it. Because I'm giving God the plan. I'm giving God the, 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 the process. I'm, I'm trusting God with how he's going to do it because I know who he is. Commit your works to the Lord. Uh, Amplified Bible says, submit and trust them to him. If you respond, he says, and your plans will succeed if you respond to his will and his guidance. We start with what God has given us and God brings about the results. You know, as a culture, I think we focus on end results, the things we can't control, instead of focusing enough on what we can and giving them to God. Number two, or the second thing is, uh, what do I do about them? Have you ever thought that? What do I do about them? Who's them? It's those people you're worried about. None, none of you have that. Okay, good. It's those people you're in conflict with. 
You know, I, I, everybody liked me in kindergarten. I don't know what happened. But it's those relationships that are sticking points, our pain points, are, are difficult, or you don't know how to walk through the journey with that person, and you don't know what to do next. What do I do about them? Well, I'm glad you asked, because the Bible's got an answer for that too. Actually, it's it, Proverbs 16. If you just like read that, I almost read the whole chapter, but I, I can't for time. Read that chapter, Proverbs 16. And here's what he says. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. See, I, I think we worry because we're worried about what people think and how we're going to change them. Can I just help somebody? You are not the master of the universe. You cannot change one person. I, I, I'm, I hate to burst somebody's bubble in here. You've been, you've been working on, you know, we, we, they say statistically people young in life marry somebody most like, or, or most opposite their personality. Uh, later in life, we tend to marry somebody like us or more like our personality. And here's what I found. Uh, it, when, when we get married young in life, when we marry somebody who's different than us, you know, we, we're attracted to that thing that's different in them. And then we spend the next 10, 15, 20 years trying to make them like us. You can't change another person, but you know what you can do is you can commit your relationships to God. When a man's ways, you know, there's, there's, there's got to be a place in our life where we trust him with everything, and, and that includes our relationships. I, I know there's a lot of questions that people have, and I've, I've been in, obviously, every, every day seems like a different forecast economically. And uh, we started full-time ministry uh, during a great season, uh, the, the real estate market crash. <laughs> that was when I, went, I quit my job and went full-time, uh, was that 2008? Uh, and, and so it was interesting to see how like, and, and then we started our church during global pandemic, you know, when the world was shut down. So, so I just have like an interesting timing with a lot of things. But, but here's what I found, God's faithful in every season. Come on, church. We're preoccupied with too much stuff that isn't the source. He's the source. He's the provider. And maybe you're asking yourself for your own family and your own life, your own future, will I have enough? And I just want to remind you of what I already read to you, Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. God's going to take care of what we need in all of our lives as we put him first. Our job, what we can control today is I'm going to put God first. I'm going to trust God today for what I need tomorrow. Where do I go from here? I, I know there's a lot of people seeking direction. In fact, I think that in, in, in ministry, in 18 years of ministry, that's been the biggest thing that people walk or, or wrestle with. What do I do next? I need direction for my life. What am I called to? What's God's will for my life? And for many of us, it starts with, you know, who am I gonna marry and where am I gonna go? And listen, I, I wanna encourage you, start with God in every area. I, I gave my marriage to Jesus before I had one. I was praying for my spouse when she was from a place called Iowa I'd never visited. It's a lot like Vegas where I was from, but. <laughs> where do I go from here? Psalm 37, 23. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Isn't that good news? God, God cares about the big stuff, but he also cares about the little details. He directs the steps of the godly. So I'm, I'm gonna trust him. See, I think a lot of our worries come from being driven instead of led. I'm driven by pressure. I'm driven by worry. I'm driven by 
opinions. And I'm driven by all these things and we can be driven, but I've never in my life made a good decision being driven. But when we allow God to lead us, he directs the steps of the godly. He doesn't take them for us, but he directs us and he leads us. And I found that as I trust him, as I let him lead the way, as I, as I say yes to him every single day, I'm not moved by, what do I mean to be driven? That to be driven is to be pressured from the outside. To be pressured outwardly. And sometimes that's even self-imposed. I gotta get this done. I gotta get that done. I've gotta, and, and, and we rob ourselves of peace instead of letting God lead first and foremost. You know, a few years ago, this was probably five years or so before I met my wife, was about to make a hasty decision that was out of being driven. And, and I believe, and I talk about opportunities to reach this generation last week, the lifetime of an opportunity, or, or the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. There are some big picture things we have to recognize, like we've got to go after the next generation now. Not in 10 years, not in five years, now. There's things that, that we need to respond to God today. I'm gonna stop procrastinating tomorrow. Anybody else? <laughs> God, I'll do that tomorrow. Now, there's some things God calls us to do today that aren't for tomorrow. They're today. And we need to respond today. We need to, we need to move today. But can I also tell you, there's sometimes we make decisions at our own pressure, our own plan. When I'm driven by my plan instead of led by God's plan, here's what happens. I want to step into things that God sees all the way down the road. He sees, he sees the, the traps of the enemy. He sees the climate of the world. He sees the, the conditions of people and the relationships and, and things that, are, that, that I've got to trust him for the next step. Because God sees what I don't see. And I remember as I was ready to make a hasty decision, I did something that I've often done and I would encourage you to do. I went to God's word. And... and you know, one thing I, I, you know, sometimes people approach the Bible like it's, I don't know if that was back in the 80s, the magic eight ball, where you like shake it and then look, what am I supposed to do? That's not how the Bible works. But can I tell you, as you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, he'll take you right where you need to be. He'll show you right what you need to know. And I literally opened up Psalm 4610, be still and know that I'm God. And my response to, as I'm reading that, I'm going, God, I don't want to be still right now. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to make this happen. I want to change. And instead of trusting his timing, and I'm so glad that I did because I would have missed a lot of things that God wanted to do in my life. Might have even missed the direction that God had for my life. So we don't ever want to be driven. We want to be led. The third and final point is where we're going to focus today is, and let me just preface this first. You can't choose a problem-free life. I'm sorry. You're like, this is depressing today. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's good news when you recognize what you've been given in Jesus. You can't choose a problem-free life. I think sometimes we, we think that, that like, you know, following Jesus means that, and even being blessed means there's never a conflict. Read the Bible. 
In fact, some of great, God's greatest miracles happen in, this, in the, the greatest obstacles and the greatest challenges. So it's not having a problem-free life, and it's also not an easier life, because I just think that's kind of our tendency. When is it going to get easier? When is it going to get easier? I like to remind myself of how the church is, uh, it, it, what, what the church is walking through all around the world. We as a church right here, we help plant a church, fund a, a church plant in China, underground church. They can't do what we're doing right now. But you know what you can have? If you can't have a problem-free life, you know what you can have? You can have a worry-free life. (laughs) Some are like, I don't know if that's true. It is, because you can choose, you can decide. I want to take you to one last story. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Luke chapter 10. Here's what Luke says. He records an interaction between Jesus and a family that he would often visit. Luke 10, 38, now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted, not with bad things, but with necessary things, with much serving. And she approached Jesus, as as any of us who are, uh, you know, doers can appreciate. She comes to Jesus and says something to the effect, here's my paraphrase, can you do something about my sister who's here enjoying this Bible study with you instead of helping me in the kitchen? We, Jesus, she needs to help me. I'm making PB&Js that you didn't order, but I'm, I, it's got to happen. The work has to be done. And she's worried, she's distracted even, and here's what it says, Martha, this is Jesus' response, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing's needed, and Mary has chosen. She's chosen. She's chosen the good part. She's chosen something that's greater than what's preoccupying Martha's attention probably necessary stuff that she feels she has to get done. But I wonder how many times we're preoccupied with things, we're worried about things that God never called us to even do. That's why it's a great question to just simply ask God in your prayer time and in your time with God's word to say, God, what do you want me to do? Let me give you my plan in exchange for yours. And Mary chose the good part. What was the good part? To sit at the feet of Jesus. Now I know what you're thinking for all of us who are doers, myself included. You're thinking, but stuff has to get done. Absolutely. Living worry-free is choosing first to focus on Jesus. And from our focus being on Jesus, we have the grace to do the things we need to get done but it starts with Jesus. It all starts with Jesus. That's why it's important as a part of, we we schedule a lot of things in our life. Make sure you schedule time with Jesus. First, I'm not a morning person. Well, Well, maybe there's some things that need to be adjusted. Maybe it's time to lighten the load in some areas to make room for what matters most make room for what's most important. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are 
who labor and are heavy laden, burdened. Maybe you're carrying a burden today. He says, come to me with your burdens. Take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What's a yoke? It's something that would join two work animals together, two oxen. And the weaker would be pulled and led by the stronger. Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. There's still stuff to be done. We have a world to reach, church. But I can't do it on my own, and you can't do it on your own, and we can't do the things that God's called us to do on our own. I can't be the Father. I need to be in my strength, in my wisdom, my ability. But when we say, God, I need your help, and we go to Jesus first, and we make an exchange, our burden for his yoke, and we say, Jesus, I'm submitting to you. I'm joining to you. I'm choosing the good part. And you know, there's some big stuff that I've over the years worried about and then gone to God and watched God do what I couldn't do on my own. I, I could tell you miracle testimony after miracle testimony. But you know what I know? It's just as important in the little things. Sometimes when I've gotten this, this, this word, why do you worry, that reminder from the Holy Spirit, it's usually been in things that weren't even big, big, big issues because it's way too easy for us to get caught up trying to do what is God's job. And it distracts us from doing what we're called to do. Would you stand to your feet? I'm asking our prayer team to come down. Martha, you're worried about many things. What has you worried today? Can you be free of it? Absolutely. That's the promise. Jesus gives peace in the middle of the storm. Maybe right now you've got a diagnosis that you're worried about. I want to challenge you. Give it to Jesus. Here's, here's, here's my problem. I give something to God, and then the next day I go pick it back up. Because... I'm, I'm in, in trusting God. Sometimes I think that I have to tell God how he's going to do it. None of you are like that good. God, God, answer this prayer and do it this way. Instead of recognizing that God's going to do what he promised. We're going to talk about the promise of God in the series. But you can't make that happen on your own we first give it to Jesus set our attention set our gaze I want to challenge you no matter what's going on in the world today there's a lot of brokenness because sin is real the enemy's real he comes to steal kill and destroy that's always been his MO from the garden till now but Jesus has a plan God is good Jesus is the healer. He's the redeemer. He's the deliverer. What can happen if you would give God your story and let him work all things together for good? Let him do what you couldn't do on your own. In fact, I'm going to ask you to do this. If you just bow your heads, close your eyes, right where you're at. I want to pray for two things right now, and then I'm going to invite you, anybody who wants to receive personal prayer, to have our team pray for you. Maybe today you've got a diagnosis 
that you think is impossible to change. I have seen it over and over again. Jesus does miracles. He does the impossible. Maybe you've got family that's far from God and that weighs on you. We, we, we want to have a heart for people. That's the burden that Jesus carries. He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And when we get connected to Jesus, we get his heart for people. We see what people really need. But we need to take that into a place of prayer because when we work on our own, we, we get our own limited results. But when we pray, God goes to work. Be anxious for nothing, but pray about everything, his word says. Right now, I want you to take what you're worried about. And if you've got something, big or small, it's, remember, he cares about every detail of our lives. I want you just to put your hands in front of you. Holding that weight, holding that thing, and as an act of, of faith, I want you to bring it to Jesus and, and tell him, God, I give this to you right now. I give you my family. I give you my children. I give you my business. I give you my marriage. I give you the thing I've been crying out to you for. I give you my future. You're the source. Now I trust you. And here's what I want you to do. As an act of faith, I want you to release it. Turn your hands over, whatever you need to release the weight of what you're carrying. Faith is not pretending there's not a problem. It's surrendering it to Jesus. He wants to be Lord of all. If he's not Lord of everything in my life, he's not Lord. Lord means he's the ruler, he's the owner, he's the boss. So I'm gonna trust him with, the, with what I think is spiritual, but I'm gonna th trust him with everything in my life, not just Sunday mornings. I'm gonna trust him with my family. I'm gonna trust him with my future. Surrender it to Jesus right now. We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.